It is time for a brand new edition of Pili, Raul, and La Musica. Raul Campos here and excited. And I say that all the time, but this one totally true because I've been such a fan and such a follower of this gentleman that we're going to talk with. His name is Adrian Quesada. Now, you might know him as Ocote Soul Sounds. You might know him as Black Pumas. You might know him as Boleros Psicodélicos. He has so many projects that he's worked on over the years, but I can honestly say that from the get-go, from the very beginning that I first heard of their music and his music specifically when he was either working with somebody like Thievery Corporation and now linking up and partnering up for Black Pumas, their project out of control, they're soulful, they're beautiful, and they're genuinely doing it for the love of music. And Billy, I got to tell you, when I first got the news that we were going to get to sit with Adrian Quesada in Mexico City when we recorded this, I was like totally blown away. I don't know about you. I was super excited, especially knowing that you had such a great connection with him. So I kind of knew that this was going to be a super fun, insightful, and deep conversation. Um, but let's also remember, Raul, that the excitement that we have for this episode is not only for Adrian Quesada and Eric from the Black Pumas, but also because it's our very first episode of our fourth season. Uh, forget about that. It's just another season, Philly. <laughs> no, no, absolutely Who cares about true. a fourth season? <laughs> Four years. We're getting into our fourth year of doing Pili, Raul, and La Musica. And when we first started this, we we're thinking, okay, let, let's record some interviews. Let's see where it goes. Let's see what happens. Let's see. Okay. Then we get, you know, 10 episodes in. Then we're at a year in. Now we're Four? We're almost at 100, dude. <laughs> We're almost at 100. And what a way to kick off season number four. Then with Adrián Quesada from the Black Pumas, a psychedelic American band hailing from Austin that we absolutely love, that we have gotten to see not only individually, Raúl, but you and I have gotten to see them together as the Black Pumas because Eric's voice is just so soulful. And of course, Adrián's playing is just like above and beyond. So it was super exciting to get to sit down and talk to him. Now, I trip out on their their kind of dynamic of a duo of a band because obviously Eric is like the front man, the showman, and he's like just exuberant. His energy is ridiculous. You can see him up there and you can feel his energy. I mean, just it, it's almost it almost feels like I'm sweating along with him when he's performing up there, right? Yeah. And then you see, and then you see Adrian off to the side. Just that cool as a cucumber, just I guitar know, like player, just, just just like in almost like in his own world, you know. And that's where I see their their dynamic and the way they came together. Because obviously, Eric, his uh, beginnings was he was busking out in L.A., out in Santa Monica on the Venice Boardwalk, and then you put him in. What a great story they have, right? really. And then you put him in touch with somebody that's Latino from Austin, Texas, and has this rich history of already produced records and projects that it's been on so many different labels. And then you put them together and it's almost like this was the magic that Adrian Quesada and Eric were looking for individually that brought them together. Absolutely. And in this episode, we get to talk about, you know, their their differences, their commonalities, and also Adrian's solo project, um, which are, you know, psychedelic boleros. And also what's really interesting is that, Raul, you get to ask a question during our interview to Adrian regarding fear, you know, the possibility of maybe pausing their career because of unforeseen issues. 
And we just got the news that they actually stopped their tour for this year. We don't know why yet. And we are hoping that Black Pumas will continue as a band. But it's interesting how you as a listener will get to hear Adrián's answer to that question that you made, Raúl, and how it's related to maybe, possibly, them pausing their tour. Yeah, because, you know, when we were talking, there was all this stuff going on, obviously pandemic and whatnot. And nobody really knows the future. There's just nobody has that crystal ball that you can look into and say like, oh, yeah, this is going to happen. This is going to be our path. I mean, even the way we're talking about the way they got together, they didn't even expect it. You know, so so to see these unforeseen circumstances come to fruition and then they literally have to put a pause on the remainder of 2022, it's like, okay, you know, maybe there was a little bit of a tidbit to him uh, giving us a nod that that could potentially happen. But Bolero Psicodélicos is just like something else that kind of came about during pandemic where they had this kind of downtime. There was no touring. And now this collection is absolutely beautiful. I mean, the guest singers that are on it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what an album. I know. Yeah. Like they have, they, you know, with Ile. Anyway, that is great, great album. But let's get this party started. So please enjoy our very, very exciting new episode of the new season four of Jack Daniels Presenta Pili Raul en la Música with the Black Pumas. So we are here at Vive Latino Mexico City Photosol and with us a very special guest, somebody that we've been trying to interview for quite some time. And we attempted this two years ago when we were coming to Vive Latino. Um, it was a little bit of difficulties, but good things come to those who wait because we have in the house from the Black Pumas, Mr. Adrian Quesada. How are you doing, sir? Good. How are y'all? Salud, salud. Good to see y'all. Great to see you. Grammy nominated and so many accolades coming these days for the Black Pumas. Congratulations on everything going on, man. Hey, thank you, man. Thank you. It's been a wild ride. Obviously, you have such an amazing project, and I'm sure you're aware of that. I mean, you're tapping into gold. Um, How would you describe your chemistry with Eric? And can you recall the first time you heard his voice and what you felt? Yeah, yeah. You know, so Eric and I, like... Um, on in many ways have a lot in common, but we're also just completely different people. Like our brain just operate, but that's I think that's kind of the beauty of why it wor- why we work well together is you know everything that that um like he's kind of like in the moment type of guy, and I'm kind of more like thinking about the past and the future and, and stressing out on things. But he's just like bam, you know, he's like no Eric's fear. like in the now. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> but um, the first time I heard his voice, I had looked him up. A friend of mine had told me about him, and I looked him up on YouTube, watched some videos. First time I heard his voice, he called me. Uh, I emailed him, I remember, and he didn't get back to me for like two weeks. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he called me, and I was driving, I remember. And um, and he was playing one of the tracks I had sent him in the background. I couldn't even hear anything, but he was singing in the in the phone, just like super loud, like, check this out. Yo, this is dope. And I was like, I just loved <laughs> His energy was so amazing, like coming through the phone where I was like, okay, cool, man. That's dope, but let's get together in the studio. And he was like, all right, all right, all right. So we finally just harnessed it and went into the studio. But wait, did, did you, since he lasted like two weeks before he communicated with you where you like I don't think it's ever gonna call me back kind <laughs> you're of, like okay sure. next kind of um but you know uh, Eric, Eric works on his own on his own time and uh but no I'm glad he finally did and he was even telling me like he first he was like 
because when I heard about him, I was like, I've never heard of this guy. And he said he said the same thing about me. Like he was like, I've never heard of this guy. But um, we knew it was we knew we had something special when we were working on it. It was like it was exciting for both of us. But we didn't really plan on starting a band. We were just doing it for fun, you know. Yeah, yeah. For a few months, we were just recording, and then all of a sudden, we were looking at each other like, "This is kind of cool," you know. Like, "This is kind of cool." Why don't we play a few shows? And then all of a sudden, here we are, like five years later. Well, man, you, we know Austin, Texas is is a hot spot for live music, and it lends itself that this project just really, really gels when you guys are out on the stage. But I think that was the compilation, Look at My Soul, mm -hmm. The Latin Shade of Texas Soul. Mm -hmm. And that's actually where I first saw the name Black Pumas. Okay. And this kind of connection with like other band members, like talking about that live experience, it doesn't happen overnight. But it sounds like what you guys have come across, it sounds like you guys have been doing this for decades. That's how much you guys gel when you guys are performing live. Um, what brings this kind of connection to you and Eric? You know, I don't know. A lot of it was just serendipity, and and uh, he's more into the into astrology, and he might have a better <laughs> a better answer for it all. You know, like a more ro a more romantic answer. But a I just spiritual think, vibe. Brings I don't know. Us it was a lot, a lot of serendipity with just the way that uh, that it all came together. We couldn't have planned it like that. You know, it just it just happened. And how long before you guys actually performed a live set? So we started recording in probably late summer, early fall 2017. Our first show was February of 2018. Wow. Yeah. 2018, it's 2022 right now. That's only four years. Equidados y menos. You've already been nominated to six Grammys. Do you think, like, things are moving fast? Um... Does it feel like that? Because you've been in this industry for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. So has he. Things moved pretty fast. Things things moved pretty fast. But then it got very surreal with the pandemic. It was like things were like about to, you know, shoot off on a rocket. And then all of a sudden it was like, eh, the brakes and everything just stopped. So we had this weird time like everybody did, you know. Right. But for us in terms of our uh, uh, momentum and all that, it just like just stopped for a year. And then all of a sudden now it's back, which is, is great. But yeah, it's it's. I will say that it was... It, it's pretty fast. It feels pretty fast. Was there some fear around that kind of like halt? Uh, at first, yeah. But honestly, the, the halt was for us, I think it was really good because we hadn't really had a time to pause and process everything. Mm -hmm. We were constantly on the go, constantly right. on tour, constantly uh, out there. And like we just never really had a chance to like sit back and look around and, and savor it. You know, it was the first time where we were like we paused and we talked about it. Like it was the first time we had checked in and said like, wow, this is crazy this is um i remember we said literally what we said before when we talked about first starting the band was 2000 late to 2017 we were like let's just do it till it's not fun anymore <laughs> so it's still pretty fun hopefully i mean it better <laughs> still be fun it's so fun yeah, for yeah. us as your fan so i'm hoping that it's really fun for you guys for it's a very very long time yeah yeah it's a lot of hard work but it's but it fun. really comes yeah. back to it like if you're not having fun up there yeah, or yeah. even in the studio you know because it is a grind but if you're not having fun it really is time to hang it up right yeah exactly yeah that's the that's the main the most important thing here with with this but uh but i mean the work is easy when it's so fun you know so the last time we hung out in Austin, it was for a South by Southwest. And this was, I think, 2016. And I think you had mentioned that it's like, hey, I got some stuff cooking. I'm working on some stuff. It's not Okoto Soul Sounds. It's not Grupo. You know, it's like, this is going to be something really kind of cool that you're going to want to check out, Raul. Was this what you were talking about? Because you couldn't really tell me. Probably yeah. was this, yeah, yeah. Now, this stuff, this kind of stuff on your mind, when you're thinking about projects like this, because I mean, you, you're working on a gazillion different things at the same time, how do you prioritize one over the other? 
Well, right now, definitely Black Pumas is my priority. You know, it's beca that's become pretty clear because, uh, but I don't know. You know, honestly, I'm j my brain just works better like that when I'm doing a few different things. You know, a few yeah. uh, cooking on a few burners kind of thing. My brain just works better like that. But uh, uh, it just keeps me from getting complacent. And I like one thing informs the other. Like if I'm doing this, it, it, this project over here or I'm working with another artist like I learn I always learn something from each thing and, and apply it to each other thing what are you know you come from Grupo Fantasma which was a lat Latino group mm -hmm. what are the gifts of being in an interracial band and how does the your Latino roots kind of like creep in and sneak into the sound of Black Pumas yeah you know I think that's that was a You know, in terms of being, you know, nowadays it's it's important to have some sort of statement in these times, I think, for people, you know, whether it's political or social or just have something to say and, and stand up for for ever, all the, diff, the hardships that we're going through in the world right now in the last couple of years. And, and, you know, lyrically, I mean, I don't I don't write the lyrics, but lyrically, Eric, Eric's themes are a little more universal and stuff. But I think the fact to show a band that's that's a. Uh, you know, Latino, Afroamericano, uh, male, female, white, uh, you know, I think it's it's an important statement up there, you know, in terms of uh, just, you know, and it's not like an overt, you know, having to have this message, but it's just like, you know, you look up on stage and we're all out there on stage together, male, right. male, female, But I love black, that it's white, not preachy. You know. Yeah, which yeah. Which is what I like about you guys. Mm -hmm. But I am really interested in knowing, like, how does that Latino flair that you're so used to, and it's part of who you are because you are Latino, sneak into the sound of Black Pumas. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think I can think of like real specific examples, but honestly, I, I don't know. And I was just talking to somebody about it yesterday. I think it's so, so much of that is just in me that I don't try. And, and I think it's sometimes things come out like that no matter what, you know, but I don't like, I never sat down and said like, oh, this has to have like a Latino uh, feel to it, but it probably does. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily hear it that much. But I'm sure it's there some, somewhere. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like the blues and all these kind of different rock influences. I mean, we were at Phobia the other night watching them live. And I was talking with David, who is our assistant here today. Basically just brought up the idea that there's all these sounds and all these different genres and all these different languages of music all around the world. And it doesn't matter where you go. You're going to kind of experience those same kind of connections where it all kind of influences the sound and we hear your guitar playing. I mean, you know, there, there's so many influences that I'm sure that are there. You know, we just talked with Carlos Santana, who I'm sure probably played a big role For sure, in yeah. the sound that you create. Mm -hmm. So we hear a lot of those similarities. So, I mean, there has to be something where, where it kind of comes in and it creeps in just kind of innately, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, Santana is a great example. I think he was probably one of the first kind of Chicanos to really uh, break down those barriers and, and make American rock music, but with, you know, with right. a percussionist who was from Nicaragua and he played sure. guitar, you know, the way he did, but he was making, you know, Santana music comes out, comes on after, on the radio after whatever else from that era that's, you know, American music. And he very much was making American music, but you hear you know the uh everything that they all bring to the table and i think he that's a great example because he was one of the first to really do that right. you know right, and right. not be um not be classified as like a sub genre like latino music he, he that was that was american music you know wow wow and we we mentioned earlier that that you know the the live performance is amazing but whose idea was it to start the covers of like tracy chapman 
and Rodriguez. Uh, the Tracy Chapman song, Eric had already been playing when he lived in L.A. So he lived oh. in L.A. for a while, and he used to busk on the Santa Monica Pier. Yep. And he used to play that song just, you know, on his own. And we were, one time before a tour, we're just saying we could use a few new covers. And we um, asked him to do it. At first, he was kind of hesitant, and he wanted to do it with the whole band. And I remember we didn't get to rehearse it, so he did it one night by himself. And the whole band watched it from the side of the stage, and we were, like, in tears. Wow. It was just so beautiful. And we were like, and he was like, no, you guys should play it with me. And we were like, no, you have to do this alone. It, it kind of, like is a glimpse into what he used to do and how powerful he is just with a guitar by himself. You know? I can relate to the tears because Billy knows I'm a big crybaby, but I saw you guys at the YouTube theater, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, right next to the brand new SoFi. And sure enough, there was like a little, I think it was just before the encore kicks in, right? So the lights go dark and everybody starts cheering, you know, otra, 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 another one. And then all of a sudden the spotlight shoots up and he's up in the balcony mm -hmm. and it's just him and the guitar and we happen to be kind of roaming around the the facility just to check it out and we just happen to be sitting right next to where he shows up and i can relate to the tears so yeah. you know the first time you hear that it's like wow this is absolutely incredible but then you guys actually release the version yeah, right, absolutely. And um, and again, I didn't even want to play on that. I played a little bit on it, a little bit of guitar on it. But, uh, you know, there's just moments like that that there's no need to do. He, he can he can hold a crowd by himself, you know, so there, I think it's important to show those moments. And then like the uh, the Rodriguez tune, we, I don't remember. They just asked us to do a cover for something for Spotify. And we we all he always loved that song. I always loved that song. I always felt like that song sounded like something we would write. So we just <laughs> threw it out there and we, we just played it. Um, so we recorded it, played it, and he came, Rodriguez came to our Detroit show Whoa. just last year. And um, late last year, his daughters brought him, and he was a huge fan, and we played it for him. That's and amazing. yeah, he, uh, it, was, it was super special. So we got to play it just for him, and his, his daughters uh, talked to them for a while and just hear his story. Yeah, we got to meet him. I mean, you guys have an amazing story, and then you layer it with all these other amazing uh -huh. stories that are happening to yeah, you guys. Yeah. And you guys are relatively like a new band, so I can't mm -hmm. even imagine what's in store for you. about this new episode with the Black Pumas kicking off our fourth season of Jack Daniels presenta Pini Raul en la Musica. I mean, it was obviously a no-brainer that we were going to start the season with the Black Pumas. I knew because when we got the news that we were going to sit down and chat with Adrian, talk Black Pumas, talk Boleros Psicodélicos, I knew this episode was going to be so special that it made absolute perfect sense that it was going to kick off season number four of Jack Daniels Presenta, Pili, Raul, and La Musica. And hopefully you are enjoying as well the listener, the subscriber. We want you to subscribe to Pili, Raul, and La Musica. Give us a little rating, of course. What do we like, Pili? Five stars! Bring it on. Now let's get back to it. I love the fact that now sitting with you and feeling like such a mature, grounded, humble energy from you, which I'm really appreciating, by Thank the way. You. I just haven't finished the mezcal, that's all. That's all. It's about to go down. I'm no, I've been doing this way too long to know whether it's fake or not. <laughs> I, this is a real thing. Thank You're you. super humble, and I love that. Thank you. But that comes with time and are you so appreciative that all of this fame is coming to you at this age and time in your life? Yeah, you know, I've had, I have moments like that when I think, um, 
that I have be- the music industry is humbling. You know, I've been through so much, um, so many ups and downs, so much stuff. And I mean, really, what keeps me here is that I just love to make music. And even if nobody cared, I would still be making music. But uh, at this point, you know, for things like this to come, I mean, there's times where I'm like, dang, it would have been a lot easier in my 20s to be on tour like this all the time. <laughs> You know, to just be on tour all the time. It's right. a little harder all now with energy. a family and all that. But, uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't ask for any other way. It's just how, just how things worked out. Where do you think the sound of Black Pumas is going towards? How is it evolving? Um, right now, the, sta- the, the live show is constantly evolving. And I see it almost like, um, like we're remixing the songs live on stage now. Like we're doing the versions. The songs almost kind of start one way and then go into something else altogether. In the studio, we are uh, still working on new music. We got about 10 to 15 to 20 ideas in different stages, but we're really just trying to make sure we don't repeat what we did on the first one, you know? So we're, take, we're taking a little bit more time with it, and really because the first one, we had no, nobody over our shoulders. Nobody cared. We just made it for fun. We lo- loved it, and people connected with it. But now we're definitely like... There, you know, there's a little bit more pressure. There's a little bit more people, right. the suits circling around and everything. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're uh, taking our time to get it right. But we're working on new stuff. And I don't know that there's an exact formula. I would say that it's probably less live. The first album was mostly played live, like the band played live in the studio. And this this one is not. We're just taking more, uh, just more chances and, and not necessarily something that sounds like a live band. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I was actually talking with some of your fellow Austin colleagues, uh, the guys from Spoon, and they are kind of like morphing their tracks as well, like you say, you know, because a lot of the older songs are like, okay, yeah, we want to revisit them. They're changing a little bit, the arrangements, the way they end, the way they flow, you know, and they're also talking about, you know, the next project. And they're saying that, yeah, now they're perfecting songs live on stage before they take them into the studio. So it's, mm-hmm. it's cool to see that contrast and just the different styles and yeah. different vibes, man. So. Congrats on everything. Thank you, first thank of you. All, you know, and like Billy mentioned, you've been a part of a gazillion different projects. Talking about Grupo Fantasma, talking about Okota Soul Sounds, talking about all your remixes. But now you got a new project coming because the Latin Soul project was that, Latin Soul in Texas. Now you got something where you're talking about like the psychedelic boleros. Like talk to us about this new psychedelic bolero movement of the 60s. Yeah, so it was something that I'd always wanted to do. I just never had time. And when the pandemic started, I was like, oh, you know, people started baking bread and making tortillas and whatever. And I was like, I can, you know, I think at home we like started making tortillas for like a week. And I was like, or I could make an album that I've always wanted to make. So uh, I finally had time to do it, you know. So one of the most like influential pieces of music ever in anything that I've ever done was this song by Los Pasteles Verdes called Esclavo y Amo. And it was like, I don't know, 15 to 20 years ago, I was driving in Austin on the radio. I was like, I had it on one of the like, uh, Mexicano stations that you know I wasn't listening to like KUTX or whatever I was like I had it on one of the like super Mexicano stations and uh, and I and I, they played this song where I was driving and it sounded like a Wu-Tang Clan song I was like what is this it was the craziest thing I had ever heard and then he started singing and it was super like dramatic bolero like it sounded like being at like a Mexican restaurant but they dosed or you like with a acid telenovela. yeah something like that but they dosed you with acid and you're oh. like thinking about like heartbreak but all of a sudden you're like am i tripping it was that it was so trippy i pulled over and was like what is this i called the station and they're like si, es pasteles verdes. and i went the next day to like a mom and pop store and i found a cd the grandes exitos de pasteles verdes. and i just got obsessed and i could never believe i couldn't believe i had never heard that it was like 
everything I liked. It was like psychedelic. It was funky. It all sounded like Wu Tang Clan songs. And then, uh, and then on top of that, it was bolero, which is uh, you know something that I kind of like always just was around me when I was growing up, you know, but it wasn't anything I really connected with. It was more traditional and stuff like that, trios and whatever. But hearing that, I was like, I didn't know that kids in the late 60s were doing their version of psychedelic music and still playing their own like cultures music. So it just led me down this path of just being obsessed with that. And I finally just had time to do it. We're so excited to hear the entire album. Oh, thank you. Great collaborations. Ile, Gabi Moreno as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. Gabi's amazing. Yeah. Yes. And Ile. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. I, I'm always curious to know, though, when amazing musicians such as yourself have very cool projects, how do they not blend in? Like, if you find yourself... Because we're all influenced by everything we yeah, watch, yeah. we read, we hear, right? So if you're working on a specific project like the Black Pumas that there might be some psychedelic there, but it's definitely not a psychedelic bolero mm-hmm. band, right? And you're listening to a lot of psychedelic boleros yeah. and creating that. How does it not, like, merge? You know what I mean? Yeah, I try to make a clear line, but it doesn't always work like that. Do you catch yourself, like though? Are you like, oh, yeah, yeah. Every okay. once in a while, Tell I do. Tell us about that process. I do, I do. And, uh, but, the, you know, with something like the, the bolero album, like, it's a real specific thing. It's almost like I was thinking, it's more like, like making a documentary and Black Pumas is more like making a, a major film, like a Star Wars or something, uh-huh. you know? So, like, these, that's a very, like, specific story that I'm telling. But, no, I just, I try to make sure that uh, that there's a line in between the two, you know? And I think, I think it's there, but I can't tell sometimes anymore. Is Eric like, whoa, 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 where are you taking me, Adrian? <laughs> no, no, no. He, uh, you know, he's very much, I very much follow him on a lot of Black Puma stuff. So, I mean, instantly... Anything that he plays on or sings on just sounds like Black Pumas, you know. Yeah, and that's yeah. you know he has a very strong uh, presence in in the in the recording process. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. I mean, I could literally like I'm telling you with Fast Car, we could just I could just record him playing, hit record and sit back, and you guys would and, people would and still it's love a hit. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so. I mean, obviously Tracy Chapman did amazing with that song, but you got this just flip on it, and you add this just this male deep progressive soulful voice it's really powerful mm-hmm. and I, I like that you said that you had a little time to work i mean you guys are you guys are touring constantly yeah, as yeah. black pumas mm-hmm. where did you find the time um just the pandemic forced the time you know like we <laughs> all of a sudden my schedule for the year just cleared out and i was like oh okay, ah, so this is to... when you really started like the bolero album yeah yeah, yeah. okay all yeah, right it was something i did in the first few months right away i i uh cranked out a lot of it and then connecting with the singers and getting it all because it was all done remotely nobody came to the studio it was during the pandemic so nobody nobody would come to the studio everything was done email wow and uh so then the rest of the year was just really you know getting the singers parts and putting it all together whenever here and there you know well i think we got to thank another good friend of ours mr paul dryden for connecting you with ile yeah yeah of course <laughs> yeah now you're, you're talking somebody that's coming from a lineage of Calle 13. Yeah, yeah. Presidente, Eduardo, you know. And, and, dude, how did that come about? And how did those that connection just flourish into that first single? Yeah, Ile was one of the, the last um, artists that I connected with, and Paul suggested her. And, I mean, I knew that I knew of her work, I knew of her music, but I didn't I didn't know her personally. I was like, if you know her, sure, because I don't know. I don't know how to get right. in touch with her, you know. I didn't You're like, think, I can DM her on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I don't, you know, I was like, I don't, I'd prefer to have some sort of connection to people. Sure. and. And he was like, no, I totally know her. And he put us on a WhatsApp. I had a call with her, a couple of calls. And um, she was amazing because she came in 
later on in the album, but she also had her own vision for it because she also has done kind of her own take on boleros and stuff. Oh, yeah. But everything I was showing her, like, she heard that and was like, that's cool, but have you ever heard this? And she opened my mind to, like, Sandro and a couple other old singers. And uh, and then from there, I feel like that, that was good because then all of a sudden the, the her track, the one that we did, came out different from the other ones, you know? And, like, she really kind of pushed me to check out... Uh, open the doors for other stuff but i mean again with that bolero album like people are still turn just yesterday this guy was like have you ever heard uh los i forgot what they were called i saved it all but like and then today somebody else is like have you ever heard the you know the early jose jose <laughs> stuff and i keep like finding new stuff it just keeps opening doors you know so it's like a, it's like i said it's more like a documentary like i'm learning about it and trying to tell a little bit about it you know and I hear that Ile is very much a perfectionist. Are you or Eric a perfectionist? Uh, we are in our own way, uh, but Ile is very much a perfectionist. Yes, <laughs> yes, in a great, in in the best way because she know they you know know what they want and and she's wants the best thing possible. So she definitely pushed pushed me, you know. And I mean, you tapped into the right person because she's very well versed in that genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm so glad that that yeah, ended up happening. she's amazing. I just went. I know you're Puerto Rican. Yeah, I just she, went to visit them in Puerto Rico. Her and uh, Isma like a few weeks ago had a blast down there. Yeah. He's he's a good friend of mine as well. Oh, cool. So, yeah. so it's all in the family. Yeah, in some yeah. Way. So you guys have Capitol Records live from Studio A album out now. How did the opportunity to record direct to acetate and all live? And no overdubs. How did that happen? And what were the challenges of recording an album like that? Um, you know, I don't remember exactly. I think they just approached us about it, and we, you know, could, you couldn't pass up the opportunity to work at such a historic studio. Are you like kidding that. me? Can you imagine? Yeah, like, did like, you feel like any of the other yeah, artists well, there? They, they make you feel it yes. when you're walking in. They make you feel it because on the walls is like Nat King Cole, Frank yep. Sinatra, you know, All et cetera, et cetera. Pictures, the beach, yep. everybody's in the, on the wall. So as you walk in, you feel it, but. It was important because the album, our Black Pumas album was recorded before we ever played live. So like I said, the songs all morphed into completely something else. So by the time uh, we recorded Capital Cuts, the songs were almost different songs from, you know, a few. Uh, some of them are pretty close, but a lot of them are pretty different from what was on the album. So it was important for us to document that and show people the, the progression of the band, you know, mm -hmm. because the album came before the band. Wow. I mean, it, when you when you think about, like, just I, I start to geek out when I hear things like that about recording live to to vinyl, live to acetate, whatever it may be. But just you know, being in those legendary studios, just really taking it all in. Yeah. You know that essence of like, wow, this person used this mic, this person used this piano that's sitting uh -huh. in the corner. Yeah. That's gotta give you the goosebumps. It right? does. It does. And then you know, like in terms of going live and recording live and all that, like that's how they did it. So if we if we can't do it, then we had no business being there. You know. So. <laughs> Man, so man, I, I, let's go back a little bit to Black Pumas and, and really, what's next? I know you're you're working on the new album, you're working on new music, but where is it going? Like as a project, as Black Pumas, which direction is it going? Um, you know, musically, like I said, we're we're a little bit we're experimenting more right now with this with this new music we're recording because. Um, I just I just didn't hear it like the the live band is amazing, but I feel like that's a different experience, and you know the studio experience that's like another another aspect of the band because that's how we started we started as a studio band the live thing has just kind of grown legs and become its own thing you know but uh so they're like two they're almost like two separate things you know but we're still we're still working finessing this new album you're definitely you've definitely made it in the u.s like everybody knows who the black pumas are you're played on kcrw you're played on my station on dash radio mm -hmm. 
everybody knows Black Pumas. We're in Mexico right now. What has been the reception so far? How important is kind of like taking over Latin America? And is that part of the agenda? Yeah, absolutely. It's been huge. And we, I think, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that um, we were told that our second biggest fan base behind the U.S. is actually Brazil. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, getting down there, which on this run, we're going um, from here, from Vive Latino down to, to, to South America, and we're ending in Brazil. So that's really important to us. But also... In Mexico City, I mean, the, the vibe is there, too, for sure. I can feel it. I can feel it. I've only been here, you know, since late yesterday, but I can feel that there's a lot of excitement here, and it's huge for us. It's huge, huge. And how do you prepare for such a big festival like El Vive Latino? I mean, for those of you who are listening who might not really understand the magnitude of this event, it's basically the Coachella of Latin America. Mm -hmm, exactly. I've been t explaining it to people like that. Um, honestly, we... Uh, do your thing. <laughs> we just do our thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We just do our thing. Yeah, yeah. We, pre we prepared much before this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. But not last night. It's been 40 yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've talked with a bunch of singers and musicians where, you know, they're part of a group. But once you're on stage, because you've already prepared, you've already gone through the motion of getting ready. Once you're on stage, you're just, you go into kind of this space, right? Mm -hmm. Where... It's not that you have to, okay, I got to play an E chord and a D chord and a C, you know, it's like you just kind of like go into this, I don't know if it's the connection to the audience once you start to feel that energy, but do you, I don't know, maybe I'm not explaining it right because I'm not a musician myself, but every, a lot of people have told me about this way that you just kind of transcend into this connection of the element and the vibe and the, the, the kind of the energy in the room. Those are the best the best shows and with Pumas that happens more often than not you know if I'm thinking about my bills and stuff then I'm having a bad night you know then I'm like if I'm thinking about like practical things while we're playing then I'm like that this is not a good show but most 99% of the time with Pumas we're all in you know some other like Another plane time. yeah That's exactly amazing. yeah I, I mean I can only imagine what that feels like you know, but dude, continued success with everything that you got going. Hey, thank you, man. And thank you all for your support. Yeah, and great to meet you. Yeah. Thank you so much. 